Tea Time, Midlife Edition. It's not a coffee break. It's tea time. Slow down. Relax. It's your turn. Welcome, 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 welcome. Turn the tea kettle on. Pick your favorite tea. Grab your favorite teacup. Let it steep. Add what you will. Find a cozy spot. It's tea time. Midlife edition. Welcome to Tea Time Midlife Edition. I'm your host, Regina Young, and it's season five. We did it. Yay! <laughs> oh, this is extraordinary. And we have a the pleasure of speaking with Debbie Weiss. She's an author, a coach, and a speaker. So this is going to be a great conversation. Welcome, Debbie. Oh, thank you so much for having me and congratulations on thank season you. five. That's amazing. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Let me tell you a little bit about Debbie. Debbie at 50 woke up to the realization that life was too short to be spent prioritizing others over herself. She ditched the I can for maybe I can shredding her victim mentality and refusing to let struggle define her. Recently widowed, she's more determined than ever to share her message with her debut memoir. One second thought, maybe I can. Debbie, <laughs> I am so glad you're sharing this. What are you, wait, 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 before we get started, what are you drinking? Okay, so I'm not a tea drinker. So, but I had to, you know, this is tea time with Regina. So I had to, you know, do it. So I have black cherry tea with like two Splendas in it. <laughs> Just to make sure. So I'll, I'll let you know. Let me th- see what I think. I didn't even know how to, I mean, you know, I didn't even know how long do you microwave the water for? <laughs> it's two minutes just by chance. <laughs> oh, that's what I think. Mean. Look at that. And you know what? It's pretty tasty. I have oh. to say, maybe, I'm, maybe you're teaching me something. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Well, today I'm drinking is dandelion tea. And dandelion tea is a diuretic, and it helps with minor constipation and improves appetite. But check with your herbalist and doctor to make sure it fits in your health regimen, okay? But uh, today's topic, which I love, is neglecting yourself in midlife. Not an option. (laughs) Debbie, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm excited. Um, I heard you were on Kelly Clarkson and, uh, you know, and and you're you're being seen all over the place. This is a great memoir. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So I became a caregiver at 17 to my father who had a massive stroke days after he turned 46 years old and he was permanently disabled. He survived. And he could never work again. And, and soon after my parents divorced and I became his caregiver for the next 30 years of his life. Not something you expect, you know, as a young adult, just getting started. So I, I learned an awful lot about 
Medicare and Medicaid and disability and all those terms that a 20-year-old is not familiar with. And then when my oldest son was two, he was diagnosed on the autistic spectrum. And then he added uh, several other diagnoses since then. Mm. And most recently, I became my husband's caregiver about five years ago now when he became permanently disabled due to both mental and physical illness. And out of the blue, in June of 22, he was diagnosed with a terminal blood cancer that had nothing to do with any of his other stuff. <laughs> wow. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away at the end most of December of 22, so a little over a year ago now. Oh, most unfortunate. Wow. Wow. Is that like 40 years of... Yeah, more than 40 years. I'm 60 now, so more than 40 years of caregiving. Wow. Not something I signed up for, right? I got but, that. Uh, I mean, yeah. I what mean, do you do? It's life. But yeah, that is part of life. But, you know, at 17 years old to postpone your dreams, how did you work through that? That's something. You know, it took a, a little bit of figuring out because I was going off to college mm-hmm. away, you know, to school and, and I didn't want to go because I, I couldn't leave my dad. But my mom kind of forced me because she didn't want my life to be on hold and be affected. But I did wind up never getting any credits from that first semester. And I did drop out, came home, attended a four-year university close to home, commuted, worked part-time, and took care of my dad. You know, I did all of his therapy with him. I helped him bathe. I helped him you know, dress. I I did it all. And um, after about a year and a half, I thought to myself, watching my friends have these college experiences, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm. And I actually did transfer to yet a third university. Wow. And and finished my last two years there. And uh, when I came home, my parents then were divorced and I took it on from there. Wow, that takes something. I, I really get that. How'd you deal with not um, getting resentful? Because, you know, it's like, couldn't someone else do this part? You know, I think at first I felt really good. I felt needed. I felt like a champion, like, oh, look at Debbie. She's stepping in. And as a child and young girl and young adult, I never wanted to be seen because I always had weight issues. And so I was judged constantly for what I looked like. So I I wanted to hide. And so I would never speak up. You know, I would never even ask, you know, can I have, you know, order a, a drink? I mean, I would really never do it. And then when this happened, I felt like I had to be the one there for my dad advocating because he couldn't do it for himself. And so in hindsight, it really did help me gain my voice and gain some confidence. So you became your father's uh, advocate. Yeah, I did. I did. And, you know, I had to talk to doctors. I had to talk to uh, assisted living places. I had to figure out his money, uh, you know, talk to insurance companies, all, all of those things. That's extraordinary. Yeah. But but I do want to I do want to mention though about the resentful part. I did become resentful. Being straight, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. How'd you work through that because you know, you you could stay there or you could work through it. I stayed there for a long time. <laughs> I stayed there for 
for a couple decades. You know, I, I don't think, you know, there were parts of me that were resentful around my mid twenties when, you know, my friends were taking vacation or just, just living a carefree life. Right. And, and I didn't have that, but over time I really did become resentful. My brother is four years younger. I mean, he was 13 when my dad had the stroke, you know, he, he was not in a position to take care of him. And he, quite frankly, I had a different relationship with my dad. You know, I was daddy's little girl. My brother was a lot younger, didn't have that same connection. I, I did. I found myself angry, resentful, exhausted. And it took until I was 50 years old to wake up to the fact that something's got to give. Something's got to give. Absolutely. Uh, did you not have family uh, to partner with you? Because even though the brother was younger, there was may maybe other adults around, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters for the father? No? Yep. So I did. I had one person, my aunt. Always got my one. <laughs> yep. Thank goodness for her. I okay. never not say Aunt Judy is just the best person alive. She's going to be 85 next month. And it was, she's my dad's younger sister. Very and, you know, she was a sounding board. She would, you know, visit him as often as she possibly could. She was going through her own thing. She was actually widowed at 49 years old. Wow. Um, so she had her own stuff going on. But certainly over time, as my dad got older, she was always there for me and for him. Wow. Like, let's just fast forward. Why did you... Uh at this point in life, decide to write your memoir on second thought, maybe I can? What made you decide to do it now? So I never, I'm not, I don't consider myself a writer, although all my author people will yell at me for saying that because I'm not <laughs> supposed to say that, but I'm just being real. That's it. That's all I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was a CPA was my first career and an insurance agent was my second. It's all about the numbers for me, not, <laughs> not the work. But honestly, when I realized, and, and again, it took me decades to realize, despite everything that's going on around me, I, each of us, mm -hmm. has the responsibility for our lives. We can choose, like you said, we can choose how to show up for the difficulties, how to think about them. Are we going to let them define us or are we going to take control and control what we can? And yeah. so when I realized that, it was like this light bulb went off in my head in my mid-50s. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm fairly intelligent. If I didn't realize it, there must be other women out there who don't either. And how am I going to get to those people? Yes, exactly. And I understand what you say, 50, because uh, I, I thought it was supposed to happen at 40, but that didn't happen. That was just like the next day from 35 to me. <laughs> Agreed. So when 50 hit, it, uh, it was like a line in the sand. It was like, okay, now this is the second act. Now exactly. I have a choice. Either I'm going to move forward, do things unapologetically without, you know, anyone telling me it's okay. I'm just going to keep going and let's just create whatever's next like that. So I, I really get that. But who gave you permission that you can do all that? Me. Oh, really? Because 
<laughs> me. I gave myself the permission. I, I, I didn't know. I still don't know. Yeah. It's okay. As it's really is. I mean, you know, you hear these cliches and as we all know, there's a reason that they were invented, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it is all about the journey and the excitement of trying to figure out, well, what's next? What's meant for me? What do I want? I know what I wanted. You know, I wasn't clear on that. I had no idea. I just kind of felt like, oh gosh, is this it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it right there. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you got curious. I did. And I, I thought to myself, and I, I think I had this mindset in the past where I remember when I was pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, how am I ever giving birth to this big ball that's inside of me? <laughs> like I, I was scared, right? I mean, let's face it. It's a scary thing. And in my mind, I would tell myself, look at the millions, billions of women who have done this. Yeah. If they can do it, I can do it. Fair to say. And so I think that, you know, I got to the point where I'm looking at all these other women living their lives. And I thought to myself, well, they can do it. Why can't I? Mm, that's it. Yeah. It's like there's enough of, let's say, people to that you can model after. Or um, look at and say, you know what? I love that quality that they're generating. Maybe I could generate it in me. It's a, a real, a real thing. But how do you overcome that victim mentality? Because you know that was you know resentment and all that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I'm free. I wish everybody could do it that way by choice. But that may not be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest. I still struggle with it to some extent. Mm. But it's really learning to stop the comparison game. Mm, mm. That is just so the key, right? I'm all, I was always looking at them. Somebody else. Look at her. Look at they're so lucky. What did I do to deserve this? That yeah. was my, like my thinking all the time. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> it's been a combination of things because I'm going to say that Having a gratitude practice, something that I thought was quite honestly a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, listen to these people with the gratitude. Yeah, I'm happy, my kids, my this, or my dog, all these things. Like, what is this doing for me? Got it. But what I discovered was once I started, I started, it was almost like for me a game. Like, I can't say the same thing every day, even if I'm not telling anyone, by the way. You know, I'm either writing it or, or syncing it to myself, however you do it. And I go outside and all of a sudden, instead of being in that rush, I notice, look how pretty the trees are. You know, look at those clouds in the sky. I never stopped to notice them. And the practice made me. And then once you start it, it's almost like, gosh, get Get over yourself already. You know, yeah. you have so many things to be grateful for. Fair, fair to say. And, and that is true. It's like being in the moment where we're always in the, you know, past or the future and being in the moment, one breath at a time, one moment at a time and acknowledging what is, what are you grateful for? What's your blessing? You know, 
like that. You know, how long did it take you to write this book? I just wonder, because uh, when, mm-hmm. when it comes to memoirs, I always wonder how long it takes. And I've got one in the back and it's definitely been a moment and I'm still not complete. <laughs> so this is kind of unusual. I, uh, once I decided that this is what I wanted to do, I had no idea how to do it. And I heard a woman on a podcast who actually helped first-time authors get their stories out there. So I contacted her. This is right before my husband was diagnosed with the cancer. Mm. And I met her and I loved her. And she was just starting a 12-week course. And then my husband was diagnosed and I hadn't signed up. And I thought, well, that's the end of the course. I'm clearly not doing this now. But it kept gnawing at me. Like, when is she going to do it again? What's going to happen? You know, I can't believe I'm even thinking about doing this at a time like this where, you know, who knows what's going to be happening in the next few months. And at the time I was seeing a therapist and I sheepishly went to her and said, oh, I'm embarrassed that I'm even asking you this. You know, I'm considering this, but I know it's not the right time. And and I gave her all the excuses. And she said, I disagree. This is the perfect time. Because you're going to need something separate from the trauma that's happening just for yourself. And I said, well, what if I go to the class and I can't attend one week or I can't do the quote unquote homework? And she said, who cares? I thought to myself, yeah, I guess she's right. And I have a pretty good excuse. So I joined. And it was a very small group of women very supportive, obviously all first-time authors, so it felt like a safe space. And I still didn't think I was really going to do it. I just thought, well, we'll see what happens. But once I got into it, and once I kind of, they helped me get a framework of how I was going to do it, it became my savior. I mean, I would schedule a time every single day to write. Whether it was 20 minutes, whether it was an hour, I would do it around my husband's schedule. When he was in the hospital, I would show up to the hospital with my computer and drinks and food. It looked like I was moving into the hospital every day. And when he napped or whatever, I would take out my computer and I would write. And so in a long answer to your question, I did it in a little over four months. The day he died, I was two chapters shy. And the he died on December 30th. The first draft was due to the editor January 14th. And she said, of course, you don't need to do it. We'll change the dates and da da And I said, nope. You know what? It saved me through that journey. And these first few weeks of grief are the most difficult. It'll give me something else to do. And I got the first draft to her on the 14th. Wow. What a, what a story. Yeah, it's that saving grace because you get to reflect at the same time things are changing. I I did notice you had your cup. It says a sparkle of heart. It says a a sprinkle sprinkle of heart. Yes. This one actually says a sprinkle of love. Okay. Is that that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing because (laughs) uh, so at the same time, actually, on January 14th, 2023, the same day, it's another story. I opened my online store called A Sprinkle of Hearts. Oh. And 
we have a few different designs, a sprinkle of love, a sprinkle of peace, a sprinkle of laughter, sunshine. Yeah. So all, all the plays on the sprinkle and all with the hearts on it. And um, when I was in college, the, the third college, <laughs> there was <laughs> there was there was a store that sold only heart items. And since I'm a little girl, I've been obsessed with hearts and pink and red and Valentine's Day and, and all of it. And uh, when I discovered this store, I told my friend someday either I'm going to own this particular location or I'm going to open up the same thing somewhere else. Got it. And then I graduated and life happened. And um, one day in November, uh, about a month and a half before my husband passed away, um, shopping <laughs> online <laughs> in some website. And I, in the search bar, as I've done a million times, I put the word hearts and something just came back to me. And I thought, oh my goodness, my heart store. It's 2022 20, at the time. I don't need to have a brick and mortar business. Wow. And two months later, there it was. Yeah, I, I just love that saying. It, it just makes a difference. I, and, I, and I like yourself. I love hearts because it just, I'm a, I'm a fan of love. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if someone was going through the same thing you've gone through, or, you know, maybe not for 40 years, but just, you know, right now you're in the moment, what advice could you give them? You know, I think how can I get support? Uh, uh, well, let me just tell you the one thing that really clicked for me with the taking responsibility, because I think that that was the big thing for me. And I am, I did some training. I'm a certified hand field trainer in the success principles. It's, it's a book and, and a whole training that Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul series wrote. And he talks about a formula that again, I'm a math girl. So really, really hit me called E plus R equals O, which means the event plus the response equals your outcome. And I lived my life E equals O, right? This bad thing happens, the outcomes things. I never realized there was the R piece and the R piece is how we're going to respond to it. And when I heard that, it made sense to me. Okay, so if I'm not happy with the outcome, what can I do? I can't change the event, right? I can't change that my husband died. I can't change that my father had a stroke. I can't change those things. But I can always change how I respond to them. And so I think some self-reflection and really realizing, you know, because it's hard because you have to admit to yourself, oh, gosh, that was, that was really me. That's on me. And not to berate yourself. Because on the flip side, you can say, oh, but wait a second. If it's all on me, now this is in my hands. Exactly. And you can do something about it. Yep. On your choice. I, I do understand um, what you're saying, that the responsibility when my father you know, was sick and uh, eventually passed away in uh, 2020, as a family, we partnered up with each other and we did whatever it took. But his uh, wife at the time was extraordinary in making a difference in his life. But I got that we could have just let the responsibility fall 100% on her. And we realized mm -hmm. that we are his kids. We are responsible and we showed up. So that is the key. You have to show up because it's on your watch. You are the one. That's it. Yeah. 
So thank you for that. Um, you know, how could people get a hold of you? I mean, because you just got, you know, I know you've got the book out and, and, and you have a podcast too. Is that correct? I do. It's oh. called Maybe I Can. Oh, well, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, my gosh. So it's clearly about people who, who said they changed their mind and they said, yeah, it's me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I went from saying no, everything that anybody, you know, oh, no, I can't do that. You know, it's just like a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. Automatic. And then if you pause and you say on second thought, wait a second, maybe I can. And you can. So the best way to find me is on my website because everything about me and contact information is there. And it's DebbieRWeiss.com. Got it. It will be on the show notes. So definitely, uh, people, you got to catch up with Debbie. She's just extraordinary. And thank you for sharing your story. Oh, uh, thank you so much for having me. And you know what? I don't know. I'm kind of liking this tea. You're going to have to be a tea drinker. I think so. <laughs> this has been Tea Time Midlife Edition. Cheers. It's Tea Time Midlife Edition. <laughs>